We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee. The NFL owners meetings are going on. And General Manager John Lynch spoke with media on Monday and said a couple interesting things about Brandon Ayuk and some trade inquiries. And he also said that Brock Purdy is the leader in the clubhouse to be the 49ers starting quarterback next season. So we will talk about that. Let's dive in. Blue Liar. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. has got him and a second back inside the 30 yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13 yard loss. Quick pass caught by Kittle. He dives and he's in. Touchdown 49ers. Would you classify the owners meetings like covering owners meetings? Would you classify that as a fun time? Um, it feels like one of those things wow, that's, that's a sneaky a fun time. So Yes and no. There are parts of it that's fun. Like I always like traveling for work, even though um, like I think I've said this on the pod, but like the Super Bowl is like very fun to go to and it's cool to be there and in the mix. It is a hellacious work week, at least from like a newspaper writer's perspective. Um, The owners meetings is fun because you're like traveling and then you go to this fancy hotel that you're typically not staying at unless you have a um, exorbitant budget, which um, most media people don't have. Uh, But it's cool to like be at that fancy place and then to just walk around and like, be like, Oh, there's team owner a, and Oh, there's Bruce Arians at the bar with an old fashioned or there's, you know, like the, like that stuff's kind of cool just to kind of, see what that's like behind the scenes a little bit. And then there's always like the, the infamous party where it's all the NFL power brokers and like their wives. So it's like head coaches, executives, owners, GMs, personnel people, um, and then media. So it's like, (laughs) it's, it's like a bunch of supremely wealthy people at the top of their profession and then a bunch of like newspaper folks <laughs> who are also, <laughs> you know, at like in the they're they're at a esteemed place in their profession, right? But it's just like 
there's a there's just this wide chasm between like the the billionaires at the party and the people making you know five to six figures in salary <laughs> covering those those billionaires right so right. it's it's an interesting dynamic there are some indelible indelible images i went uh let's see when did i go i think it was before the 2019 season that's the only owners meetings i went to there at the biltmore in arizona which is a pretty fancy place and um there's the party and then i think they've switched the schedule up because it used to be they would have the party one night and then the coaches breakfast when the coaches would talk to the media at like 7 30 in the morning the next day and at that point it's like everybody's feeling it like everybody there it's like the party's like you know the party's a, it's a party it's a high class fancy party there's an open bar there's you know like you you'd imagine the drinks are flowing <laughs> the drinks are flowing and then to turn around and have the coach's breakfast at 7 30 the next morning i find a little tough i think they might have changed that schedule up because i know media people arrive to arizona i think on sunday we're, we're recording this monday john lynch and and other and other people spoke a monday morning i'm not sure when kyle shanahan scheduled to speak um because i'm not there but i think they changed it up to have the party uh not come the night before the super early morning mm. media sessions which i think makes sense for all parties involved yeah no that tracks so john lynch spoke today you mentioned we're recording this monday a couple of interesting nuggets came out of his availability i guess we'll start with the quarterback situation because that's what we do uh in in 49ers media land so he said Brock Purdy is, quote, the leader in the clubhouse to be the 49ers starting quarterback next season when he's healthy. This matches all of the reporting that's come out about this. Are you surprised by this? Because I was not super shocked to hear it put uh, to hear it put that plainly. No, I wasn't shocked. It, it's sort of just like I think some people will scoff in this and, and they'll be like, yeah, obviously. Well, it's like, yeah, but you know what what people say does matter to a certain extent and mm -hmm. it it just goes to show that like John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan aren't really like circling in ambiguity when it comes to this subject like yeah Brock's probably the guy if healthy like that I think that's that's a that's good messaging to have out there because um you know it in it might force Trey Lance to be like all right I got to go take this spot right and it also gives credence to what Brock Purdy accomplished. And I think what he accomplished last year deserves a certain level of recognition, like from your, from your employers, right? If you do really well at your job and you exceed expectations, you would probably like your, your employers, your superiors to acknowledge that. Yeah, um, I think so. And, and Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch or John Lynch coming out and saying that this is a conversation that he's had with Kyle Shanahan being like, yeah, Brock's probably the guy. If you're Brock Purdy, you pre you you feel pretty validated, right? You don't. Mm -hmm. it, it would it would be a little bit like I could see Brock Purdy being like, man, like if they came out and they were like, well, we don't know, it's an open competition. You'd be like, I just I just went seven and one, and just basically saved the season as the third string quarterback coming into the year. My my rookie season. You guys drafted me in the seventh round. Clearly, you drafted me the last pick of the draft. Clearly, I deserve to be taken much higher. Like. How about a little mm -hmm. bit of love, right? Right. <laughs> like, so I, I think it was, it's not like the biggest deal in the world, but I think 
just getting the message out there that, yeah, Brock Purdy is going to be the guy if and when he's healthy, um, I think just kind of makes sense. And if you were to go into it, go into the offseason program, having said, uh, it's going to be a competition. We don't know. Like the bet, then, then it's like, all right, then all eyes are on you when OTAs start. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes kind of a circus starting in OTAs with Trey Lance's return. Whereas now, like, you know, instead of maybe TV stations and media outlets sending people to cover 49ers OTAs because they say, oh, it's a competition. Like, that's probably not going to happen now because everybody's going to know, okay, it's Brock Purdy. So right. they're they're taking a, a little bit of the circus element out of it um, by by just making this proclamation, which I think is smart to a certain extent. Um, and it also, to me, indicates that they're confident that Purdy is going to be healthy enough potentially right. to start week one. And they're talking about him him being able to throw in 12 weeks. So let's see. May, like, their 12 weeks would have him ahead of training camp, right? Yeah, throwing. Yeah, getting his, getting his throwing program rolling. Yeah. Getting his throwing program starting in July, late June. Um, so you're looking at him potentially being available for training camp. I'm still a little dubious yeah. because that does sound like a quick turnaround in terms of a return to throwing to all of a sudden a return to playing football right? Um, in, in a training camp capacity. But the 49ers are basically setting the stage now. It's just saying, yeah, this is this is Brock Purdy's job, more or less. And unless something drastically changes, it's it's going to be his job come week one or whenever he's healthy enough to play. And that's just kind of logically, I think where, where it's, where it's been. So Lynch also said that Trey Lance and Sam Darnold will also compete for the job. And that's what we've talked about is okay. Lance is going to get the QB one reps in OTAs. What does it look like? And when the 49ers are evaluating those reps, are they comfortable then going into training camp where it's like, yeah, Lance can still win this job. And I, I, the other thing Lynch said earlier this off season uh, at the combine, when he said that they really like Trey, but he just needs to play. That really sticks out in my mind here because I don't think it's a lack of belief in Trey Lance. It's just a, lack of belief that Trey Lance will be able to do enough in OTAs and show them enough in OTAs and then training camp and potentially in the preseason to, in their minds, eclipse what Purdy did in the regular season in the playoffs last year. And that's not to say they're going to cut Trey Lance or trade him or anything crazy like that, because I, I do think he'll beat out Sam Darnold and be the backup. But... I, I just I don't know if there's going to be enough for him to put out there that makes them confident and going like, okay, well, we're going to walk it back. He has surpassed uh, Purdy was the leader in the clubhouse and Lance passed him up during the offseason and training. Camp. I, I just I I I, I don't it's think not it's a knock gonna... on Lance. It's not a knock on Lance. It's a knock on not even a knock. It's just the reality of what you can glean from OTAs and camp in the preseason. Like, keep in mind, too, last year going into the season, Trey Lance didn't have to beat anybody out to be the starting quarterback. 
right? Like Jimmy Garoppolo was going to be gone. Jimmy Garoppolo was on basically on the shelf the entire offseason program, even during training camp until they decided that he would come back on that reworked contract that, you know, Lance was the starter and he's the unquestioned starter. Like no one's even pushing him for starters reps. Like we invested all these draft picks in him. We traded up to number three to get him. He's our starting quarterback this year. That's just the plan sort of no matter what. And we're willing to take the lumps uh, during his development. He didn't go in. He didn't earn that job because of the equity of taking a team on a playoff run and winning playoff games, which is how Brock Purdy won it, Mm -hmm. which is at this point, like. That's a lot like proving you can win games and proving you can win playoff games is a means a lot more in terms of determining your immediate future with your employer than being the guy that the team traded up to get. Yeah. So, so that's, that's where the 49ers are coming. They're like, all right, we believe in Brock Purdy a little bit more right now because he did it in this way, in these Mm -hmm. circumstances, in the biggest games of the year with obviously the exception of the NFC title game when he got hurt. Whereas everything about Trey Lance is just sort of hypothetical, right? Like we hypothetically believe Trey Lance could get there, but he hasn't done it yet. And now we're at a point where Brock sort of has. Right. So that's, that's the differentiator when it comes to the equity that Brock Purdy has with the organization, as opposed to Trey Lance. I'd be fascinated to know if you, if a, genie or a person came from the future came down and told John Lynch and caution it. A genie from the future. <laughs> a future, a genie. <laughs> Not a genie from the past or the present, but a futuristic genie. A future anyway. genie. <laughs> if a person came in the future and said, hey, guaranteed you're not winning the Super Bowl. Like you're no matter what you do, no matter what happens, you're not going to win the Super Bowl in 2023. I kind of wonder if they would start Trey Lance at that point. If they knew it was Super Bowls off the table, like at that point you start Lance and just see if he figures it out in 17 games, right? I guess, but uh, you just have to go. Like it's obviously ludicrous. I'm just I'm trying to I'm trying to like because where I land on the whole Trey Lance thing is like John Lynch said, I think he just needs to play, but his team might go six and eleven his first year while he figures it out and while the light bulb waits to come on. But I really believe that the light bulb is going to come on. And I think the Niners think that too. They just can't with George Kittle nearing age 30 and Debo Samuel with two years left on his contract. Like they're not in a spot where they can just waste a year. Yeah. Potentially waste a year. So here's my thing though, too, is like, we talk about Kyle Shanahan's ability to elevate quarterbacks all the time. Right. And I'm not just talking about you and me, but just like the general discourse. Like Kyle Shanahan. Oh, Kyle Shanahan can take Nick Mullins and Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo and elevate them to heights to where they might not be able to get themselves without Kyle Shanahan and the, and the infrastructure and the roster. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, and again, this isn't, I don't think this is a, a you and I discussion necessarily. Trey Lance doesn't get that same that same luxury in terms of the way he's talked about 
it's like Trey Lance struggled early, like didn't play great in the Chicago game, played half a quarter in, in the Seahawks game and then got hurt. Like we don't talk about Trey Lance so much as being, oh, Kyle Shanahan can just take any quarterback and elevate him. Mm -hmm. And so like I would push back point. on the idea that like if Trey Lance started, it would probably be ugly and they would lose more games. I'm like every every quarterback, every mediocre quarterback we've seen, quote unquote, mediocre or or quarterback we don't believe has a quote unquote elite skill set has come in and played at a pretty reasonable clip enough yeah. for the 49ers to win a, a decent amount of games and make some playoff runs. But it seems like Trey Lance doesn't get afforded that same like, yeah, he could do that, really too. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, Jimmy, like put week three last year in Denver when Jimmy Garoppolo was absolutely awful, right? It's really bad. If that were Trey Lance, it would be, oh, he's he's a bust. Right. Like it would be it, it would be a scenario where the conversations because like Garoppolo has more equity because he's won a bunch of games. Right. But like. So he's maybe afforded a game like that, like like that game in Denver. Whereas like we have such a small sample size with Trey Lance that we're so reactionary to what a couple bad games look like when Jimmy Garoppolo's had a couple bad games, but then he's gotten a chance to play which is obviously the key differentiator with Trey Lance and all the other quarterbacks that Kyle Shanahan's had. Mm -hmm. He's got a chance to play, get in a rhythm, get practice reps, build chemistry with his pass catchers, all of those things. So like, I still think even though, even though I think some signs behind the scenes are pointing to Kyle Shanahan, maybe wishing he'd gotten a little bit more from Trey Lance in terms of just like development, I still think if Trey Lance had to play 12 games next year, the 49ers would win eight of them by virtue of by virtue of Kyle Shan and the, like the same reasons that we think that like Brock Purdy is able to play well. And, you know, like the defense, the infrastructure, the playmakers, like there's no reason in my mind you couldn't approximate a productive level of quarterback play with Trey Lance as Brock Purdy. I think what, what, what separated Brock Purdy in that instance was just how, like how well he played during all of that. It wasn't like, Oh, the system is just uplifting Brock Purdy. It's like, no, Brock Purdy's making plays amid all of this stuff. Yeah. So that yeah, was the, that. that was the difference to me. And what you just said about Trey Lance and, and I said six and 11, that was a, like, that was just a, like, the 49ers are afraid of going like six and 11 and missing yeah, the yeah, playoffs. Yeah. No, for sure. Like, but what you just said is why I think that like, yeah, there'll be a Trey Lance, Sam Darnold like competition, but I think Lance is going to wind up being the backup, being the QB two. Yeah. Because I don't just, I just don't, we have a big enough sample size of Sam Darnold not being awesome that to me like you'd rather you'd rather have Trey Lance in that spot and starting eight games if Brock Purdy's not available either one of those guys would be the best third string quarterback in the league right by like I think by a lot yeah so like and again I think a lot will be made of the Sam Darnold addition as as the summer goes on or as the offseason and summer goes on I think bottom line is that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch just wanted a good third quarterback, whether it's Darnold or Trey Lance. 
because they've needed to start three quarterbacks in four of their last six seasons. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's what I was just <laughs> I think on... it's as simple as that. It's not like, oh, they got Sam Darnold because they don't they don't think Trey Lance is any good. It's like, no, they got Sam Darnold because they know Trey Lance could get injured, like break his ankle on any given play. Yeah, they're insulating themselves from yeah. these injury things that have that have plagued them at basically every year that that uh Kyle Shannon's been the coach. So um I was just on I was just on uh the Blue Wire Vikings pod Purple Insider with with Matthew Collar. And he, I was on there because he read John Lynch's quote and was like, the Vikings should trade for Trey Lance right now. <laughs> and so there's a whole it, it was a whole, you know, there's a yeah. big discussion. Go listen to it, it's fun. But I don't think the Niners are interested in trading Trey. I don't think they want to get rid of Trey Lance. I don't I don't think this is a matter of they're like, oh, I can't wait to be out from under this guy. And no, right. I think they I think they're looking at this as, hey, in mo- there have been more seasons where they've needed three quarterbacks than seasons where they've needed one. Right. And quarterback injuries derailed their shot at a Super Bowl last year. So th- they're like, hey, this is a 15 million dollar quarterback room. That's crazy cheap. Keep everybody and yes. figure it out. But that's so I, I, I don't think that the Sam Darnold addition means anything for anyone. I think that if Purdy is indeed the leader in the clubhouse to start, he'll start and Lance will be the QB two and Darnold will be three. And I just I think that's kind of where this is headed. Yeah, I would agree. Because I don't think Sam Darnold's gonna outplay Trey Lance in the preseason. I would hope not for Kyle Shannon and John Lynch's sake. Yeah, that'd be tough. <laughs> but I don't see it. I, I, I'm expecting Trey Lance to be the backup, but to be honest, like it wouldn't stun me if Sam Darnold ended up just being just being the second guy. Mostly mm. out of I don't know. It wouldn't stun me. But again, like that doesn't that doesn't change the way I feel about the Trey Lance discussion because I think even with Sam Darnold, like it the same could be true with Sam Darnold, like Kyle Shanahan could prop up Sam Darnold just as he just as as well as he, as much as he could anybody else. Mm-hmm. So I I think ultimately, and that's probably why Sam Darnold came. He's like this team's yeah. played three quarter. Whether I'm the second or third string guy, this team's need three quarterbacks so often. I could really boost my stock just playing for Kyle Shanahan for a year. If I happen to come in and play well, then maybe I could parlay it into the same contract Jimmy Garoppolo just got with the Raiders. Yeah. Because well, look, at what, look at what Mitchell Trubisky did. Exactly. He, Josh, he hung around Buffalo for a year. And then the Steelers are like, hey, do you want a contract? <laughs> yeah. Do you want to be a starter? Exactly. So, yeah. Which ultimately speaks to like how despite all of this weird quarterback stuff that's happened with the 49ers, it speaks to how good of a spot it still is generally. Yeah, that's that's the thing that's interesting is like, they they obviously you'd rather have Patrick Mahomes than not, right? You'd yeah. rather have a quarterback that you're paying forty million dollars to, and you're confident that you're going to be in the Super Bowl conversation, like for sure. But given where the Niners are at, I'd way rather be where they're at than where Minnesota is, or frankly, where like this is not disrespect to Geno Smith, but where the Seahawks are, like. Geno Smith is their guy, and then and then what? Like that. So I think I think the Niners are are despite the question marks, 
like we're conditioned in the present era to think that question marks at quarterback are bad. And typically I think they, they are, but for San Francisco right now, I think it's, it's in the middle at best. Like I don't, like I said, it's, yeah. I wouldn't be like, yeah, this is what every team should do. But if you're going to have questions at quarterback, having three guys where it's like, I can see him starting and winning games. Yeah. Is, is not, not a bad place to be. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You want to talk about Brandon Ayuk real quick? Yep, let's do it. So John Lynch basically said that um, teams have noticed Brandon Ayuk's ascension and he's gotten inquiries about Brandon Ayuk. I don't think there's been like formal trade offers made, but I think teams are looking at the 49ers landscape. They see Mike McGlinchey walking out the door. They see the contracts of Debo Samuel, Fred Warner, Brandon, uh, not Brandon Ayuk, but George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Trent Williams, and they're looking at that landscape and going, hey, Brandon Ayuk's contract, he's entering year four. They'll probably pick up his fifth-year option, but maybe they want to trade him. So they're just kind of reading the tea leaves there. And I think inquiring, I don't think the Niners necessarily like engaged in those talks at all. But it does bring up an interesting... So I don't want to, like, should they or should they not trade Brandon Ayuk is, is not necessarily the conversation. To me, it's what does their receiver room look like after 2024, which will be Brandon Ayuk's fifth year. So his fifth year option is 14.1 million. The Niners, I'm I John Lynch hidden strongly they're gonna pick it up. I would be shocked if they didn't. 14.1 for a good receiver is nothing. So after 2024, what do you think the receiver room looks like? Because it's hard to imagine that it includes both Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk in twenty twenty five. I'm gonna do some quick math here. Whoa, be careful. Don't hurt yourself. 256. Yeah. 256 minus 224 equals. Okay, there's going to be 32 32 million. 32, sorry. 32 million more 
in in terms of salary cap space in 2024 than 2023. Okay. Approximated projected approximated by overthecap.com. Um 32 million is a, a pretty good amount of space. We usually see 10 to 15 million dollar increments. Um but the new the new cap hit in 2024 is expected to be pretty substantial. So I don't see any reason why the 49ers would have to trade Brandon Ayuk anytime soon or anytime before his rookie contract is over. Um, but I do think like say come 2025 when they're looking at a scenario of where like, okay, do we want to have Debo Samuel on the books for 24.2 million in cap hit or do we want to save nine million dollars in cap space and maybe go another direction and at that point brandon Ayuk would be on the first year of his second contract and you say okay maybe we'll trade debo samuel and you know try to find another receiver in the draft to replace him at whatnot or -hmm. whatnot Debo would be 29 in 2025. Right. Um, so they're actually in a pretty good spot in terms of, you know, they, they may not have to pay Debo and Brandon Ayuk big money contracts at the same time mm-hmm. beyond Brandon Ayuk making 14 million in, in 2024 right. on, on the, on his fifth year option. Mm-hmm. So, I think the 49ers are set up in a good spot to where, okay, they could see how Debo Samuel plays over the next two years. If they think that he is worth keeping around, then maybe you keep him around. You sign him to another extension. Or if not, you either let him walk or trade him in 2025 when you have the out on that contract or just release him. But I think he would still have trade value. And then pay Brandon Ayuk and do the thing that you know, the Chiefs did when they when they got rid of Tyreek Hill and recouped some draft capital and then went and built their team that way. Um, so trading Brandon Ayuk now seemingly would fly in the face of all that and not really behoove the 49ers because, again, their championship window is open. They need all of their weapons, particularly given that their quarterback situation is as uncertain as it is. Right. So they have no reason to trade Brandon Ayuk over the next couple of years unless they just say, hey, a team's offering us two firsts for him. And it's like, we could really use those. And maybe we do think we could we should sign Debo Samuel to an extension. Although I would be dubious about just given his injury history and the style he plays, I would be hesitant to pay Debo Samuel or expect to pay Debo Samuel beyond age 29. Yeah. Um. And so I just think that they would be foolish to trade him right now unless they got like a knock your socks off offer. But even even then, I still probably wouldn't because receiver such a premium position. And look, by the time Brandon Ayuk is due that second contract, receivers could be making north of $30 million a year, 30, $35 million a year, mm-hmm. like the good ones. Like So with the cap going up. So. For and now, there's no urgency to trade him because they can make both those guys fit. Only Debo is going to be on that second contract, and it times out perfectly to where once Debo contracts up or if they want to get out two years into it, that's the first year that Ayuk is due for, for that second contract. So you can make the easy transition that way, or you can just bite the bullet and end up paying 
I don't know, $50 million combined for your, your starting receivers, which might not be completely unpalatable with a 252 to $256 million salary cap. The, <laughs> the 49ers aren't just going to trade one of their good players because the team asks <laughs> yes. like, you know, and that's no, if, if Brandon, are you, it, okay, let's fast. This forward. is why you have a cheap quarterback room, right? Like that. Yes. And this is, this is, if it's the middle of 2024 and Brandon, he's playing on his fifth year option and the 49ers start one and seven. Okay. Then maybe, you know, you kind of see, but all of this is all, this is all contingent on what does Debo Samuel look like next season? Because he was incredible in 2021 unprecedented year for a wide receiver, right? 14 touchdowns, 365 rushing yards, 1,400 receiving yards. Amazing. Significant regression this year. What does it look like next year? And then what does it look like in 2024? Like, that's 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 the key here is, like, there's no urgency here. Like you said, there's no reason to make snap decisions and overhaul this really strong area of their roster with their top two receivers and honestly top three if you want to throw Juwan Jennings in there. Like they're just in a they're in a good spot and they have Brandon IU for cheap for two more years. Like that's why he's a coveted asset. <laughs> he's a 25 year old receiver who's gotten better all three years in the league. He was he had a thousand fifteen receiving yards and eight touchdowns last year. Had a career year as the number four option in the offense <laughs> on an, on an offense, on an offense that was 26th in pass attempts. Yeah, like that had Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle and Devo Samuel. Yeah. And three different quarterbacks. Like that is eight not touchdowns. That is just not conducive to having your, a career year as a receiver. And he still did because he's really goddamn good. And so I just, I think long-term, I do think if the Niners are going to bet on one of their receivers, because I'm with you, I don't think logistically they're going to be able to pay both of them. At least the the money that they're going to want and, and maybe earn. I think in 2025, it's unlikely that both Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel are on their lucrative contracts. I, 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 I tend to agree. And again, so much can change. Yes. You know, if, if I, I don't even want to throw things out there. So a lot can change. So, Maybe, you know, we'll revisit this and we'll continue revisiting it. But right now, yeah, if unless a team's going to call and say, we'll give you two first for Brandon Ayuk, there's just no, he's 25. He's gotten better every year he's been in the league. He hasn't he's, missed think, a game the last two seasons. Yeah. And, and the whole doghouse thing is very clearly behind him. He's become a really good run blocker. Like he's there to me. Again, this is not this is not a shot at Debo Samuel or anything. Brandon Ayuk right now is our best wide receiver, and Ooh, that's a take. I, I just I, is it <laughs> pure wide receiver? I agree with you. Playmaker okay. or weapon, whatever. O O W. Yeah, okay, all right, that's fair. Kyle Uzcheck, <laughs> I get it. So <laughs> no, uh, no, I think right now he's their best like pure wide receiver, and it. I would agree. On, and on some level, like. You need that. Like Debo's Debo's amazing. But when you have a guy that can get open at all three levels and he can stretch the field vertically and he's super tough over the middle and a good block, like not that Debo is not those things, but 
when you just kind of look at their career arcs, I'm I'm right now at where we sit on March 27, 2023, I'm betting on Brandon Ayuk over the next five years. The big di- the big differences between Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, aside from just like skill set and maybe Brandon Ayuk being more of the traditional um receiver and and mm-hmm. Debo's more of the the wide back playmaker type. Debo Samuel probably isn't the best practice player. Debo Samuel mm-hmm. probably isn't the guy you're going to expect to come in to training camp in amazing shape all the time and be ready to hit the ground running and just be awesome from like a, this guy's working his ass off all off season and is going to come in and like be a tone setter for the locker room in terms of like dudes that are like, damn, I wish I was in shape like that mm-hmm. guy, like Nick Bosa is basically right. Yeah. Brandon Ayuk is much closer to that. Like Brandon Ayuk is much closer to the guy who does come in after the offseason to training camp and is the guy that like, oh, he's gotten substantially better. Mm-hmm. Right. And like he's always the dude, particularly early in training camp, where it's like, damn, Brandon Ayuk had six more catches in practice today. Yeah. Right. Like Debo Samuel just isn't necessarily that guy. And that's not a knock on him necessarily, but it's just like when it comes to you look at the track record of guys, the 49ers have been really comfortable paying long term. It's been the guys that like, you know, are going to be relentless in the offseason. George Kittle, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, Trent Williams. And come in in amazing shape and be in a position to have a fully healthy season. Whereas like if you're an organization and you know a guy comes in out of shape and then has a season where he's dealing with injuries all year, like Debo in 2020, and you're like, all right, that's not ideal, right? And I think that was part of the contention when it came to his contracts last offseason. Mm-hmm. And so that to me is a big differentiator. Like they trust Brandon Ayuk to come in and be that guy and be somebody that like other guys in the receiving room are like, oh, I, I want to work like Brandon works. Yeah. You know, and like that, like although Eric Armstead, like all those dudes are the dudes they feel really comfortable paying because they know that they're going to be productive and they're setting themselves up to be available. And it's not just like, okay, he's good on, on Sundays, but like, what about the five other days of the week that, that he needs to be there? Yeah. So that's, that's, I think, and again, that's not a knock on Debo. I just think that's, that's kind of a reality. And I think Debo understands that and i think in a, in in a certain way kind of embraces it he's like mm-hmm. yeah whatever like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna Debo's be awesome like, on sunday yeah he's devo's like yeah i don't really watch film on other i just go do my thing yeah you know remember one of the remember when, this is not 100 percent the same thing but it reminds me of it when he was on our show and i asked him about his touchdown against the rams the one this year where he like went up and caught it and then broke 10 tackles and on the way to the end zone and he was like, I don't know what the big deal was. Like, I was just doing football. Like, that's just... <laughs> it's like, yeah. all right, cool, man. All right, whatever. Yeah. And Debo works hard. Like, I'm not saying Debo doesn't work hard and he just, like, is, is like, slouching off all offseason. I'm just like, he he's dealt with injuries and, and that have to do with not being in perfect shape coming into training camp and stuff. Hmm. 
So you hate Debo Samuels, what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just, I like I said, I, and I, and it sounds like you're we're in lockstep here. If you're betting on one over the next five years, Brandon Ayuk's the one I'm putting my money on. Yeah, and there's there's been more movement in the receiver market throughout the NFL over the last few years because there are so many good receivers and so many good coaches who have a really good understanding of how to use receivers. Yeah. That, you know, I mean, I guess the Packers trading Devontae Adams in work as well as the Chiefs trading Tyree Kill. But, like, teams are like, "Ah, I could... I don't need to pay $30 million for a receiver when I can get a similar level of production out of my offense by doing this, this, and this and having it cost 20% as much. Yeah. Anything else? Zane Gonzalez, not a sure thing to be the 49ers kicker. Your thoughts? Not a huge surprise. (laughs) He's been pretty, like, in his career, he's... He went 10 for 10 between like 40 and 50 yards last year. But prior to that, he was awful in that range. It's not like he's like this great kicker and the Niners want somebody reliable. So I think they're going to draft somebody and they'll have a competition. Is Zane Gonzalez the Sam Darnold of kickers? Hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Like, yeah, can't he confirm might... how much time can't confirm how much time Zane Gonzalez has missed due to mono, but Ooh, nice. Yeah, that's a throwback <laughs> from kissing. <laughs> has Zane Gonzalez ever seen ghosts? Great question. Maybe that's um, why he no, struggles from 40 I, to 49 yards. I think Zane Gonzalez is a kicker you get if you just need a kicker and you're also like, all right, we're not sure if we're going to draft a kicker. We might draft a kicker, but let's just like go swap seventh round picks and go get Zane Gonzalez. Yeah, seventh round picks in two years, by the way. <laughs> in 2025. It's so it's a seventh round pick swap in 2025. That's what it was to get Zane Gonzalez. Yes. That might be the least amount of compensation I've ever heard in an NFL trade full stop. I don't know if you can get less comp- like isn't a that the farthest round- out? Isn't that the farthest out you're allowed to trade draft capital is three drafts? Because it's I'm not sure. I think so. But it's not even like, oh, we traded a a seventh rounder for this guy. It's a seventh round pick swap. Yes. (laughs) Like you traded. Hey, and honestly, and (laughs) hey, honestly, there's a very good chance that the Panthers are picking earlier in the seventh round. So the Niners are getting a kicker. Do they swap it? Is it a conditional swap if like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's right. It is a conditional swap. I'm sorry. Okay. That's right. I I would contend that that is the least amount of compensation you can give in an NFL trade. Barring like, uh, aside from just like trading a bad player or something. Like in terms of draft compensation, that is the least amount you can give up. A seventh round pick swap in two years. (laughs) Maybe. We might swap picks in two years. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. Um, that's really funny. They're like in two drafts of twenty twenty four. No, no, no. The next one. They they have eleven picks, so like they'll probably take a kicker, right? I'm assuming they're going to take a kicker. Okay, I think so too. It'll probably be some like no name from Saskatchewan State. Nah, it's going to be Jake Moody or whatever his name is from Michigan. That's blip. certainly what some on the internet would, would lead you to believe. Tracy <laughs> Sandler. <laughs> Did she go to Michigan? She attended uh, 
the Our Michigan University Michigan. at Ann Arbor, yes. <laughs> oh, didn't know that. The Michigan University. Totally. Go Spartans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's get out of here. Any yeah, I'm all done. King, King's probably going to clinch the playoffs tonight. 16-year drought. Can Your I... thoughts? It's great. It would be really funny, though, if after all that yesterday with Kings fans rooting for the Timberwolves to win so they could clinch at home, if they then didn't clinch at home. I, there's been a lot of like, tonight's the night, and I'm like, they have to win. Right. Like, or also <laughs> the, the Suns have to lose, and they might know the Suns are playing. I looked this up really. Oh, is that what it is now? The Suns have to lose? This, so the Suns or Clippers lose or the Kings win and they clinch. Mm. So the Clippers game starts at 7.30. So we'll know the Kings result before that. But there's a chance either like the Kings could lose but still clinch the playoff berth in the third quarter thereabouts because the Suns play at 6 if they lose. Mm. Or they could clinch half hour after the after losing, which would probably be the most awkward outcome. That man, <laughs> I think I think just based on what we've seen this year, I think they're going to boat race Minnesota. They might. They've also played down gonna, to teams get, that that can, don't have their their full arsenal of guys, and Minnesota's Minnesota not going to have their guys. Oh. Carl Anthony Towns is out. Anthony Edwards is questionable. It could be. I mean, who knows? I I would expect the Kings to win. I might get old takes exposed. We're recording this four hours before tip off. Yeah, you might. They probably listen to our pod. And, they and, definitely do. Yeah. Let's listen to what this idiot said. Them and John. John Link. <laughs> um, all right. Let's get out of here. We're out. Subscribe, rate, and review. Check us out. Uh, we will talk to you guys later in the week. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.